here we are. Sunday night teacher talk. Look, I didn't even turn my sign on. I, got, I need everyone to know that they belong everywhere. Uh, and even though like, it's all washed out, you can't even see it anyway. But um, what's up, everybody? Welcome back. Uh, we had off last week, but we are back at it. Sunday night teacher talk uh, coming to you live. 1.30 p.m. for now, uh, Eastern Standard Time. We're going to shift that because... Like I said, church just keeps changing times, and, and I need to make sure that I'm making that a priority in my life. So um, for those of you that might be new, uh, I think, you know, there's this guy um, who wrote soundtracks, John Acuff. Acuff. Mm-hmm. Great book, if, if you've not read it. At least go listen to some podcasts. John Acuff, I think it's A-C-U-F-F, had a book called Podcast or Soundtracks that came out last year. So... Acuff did a post on Instagram recently where he was like, I feel like some people might be new here that don't know exactly what we're about or what we do. And every so often someone will say like, oh, I didn't know you had a book. You had a, you know, whatever. Like, I didn't know you spoke at schools. Um, So uh, I just thought like, yeah, if you were new here, um, the best place to find out about anything that we're doing around here is on realrapwithreynolds.com, which is getting a a full makeover at the moment. It's being built and then it will replace the website that is currently there. Um, if you need help, I realize that like we all here realize that teaching is a communal activity, that we can't do this alone. And so sometimes that community happens in real time and real ways in your school and in your in your actual physical community. Sometimes it has to happen online. So our Facebook group, Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk Community, was created with teachers in mind. There's over 6,000 people in there from all over the world that are trying to figure out the best ways that they can um, support themselves to become the teachers that they're called to be. Completely free. We don't let any businesses in there. And if anyone tries to sell you anything, we just uh, kindly ask them to take it down. Um, and then, you know, socials, of course, and all of that kind of stuff. There is, here's a weird thumbnail. It's not even going to go right. There's this one. We have a podcast also, Teacher Talk, Teacher Class Off Radio, which is basically a lot of the stuff we put on YouTube, but like an audio format so that you don't have to use all your Wi-Fi and maybe you don't have YouTube premium and you keep getting those ads. Just get it on a podcast. And then um, I also have a book. Teacher Class Off is a book I wrote uh, a few years ago and uh, it's for sale now uh, for $24.95. I think the ebook is way, way cheaper if you even want to get that. Or you can get a signed copy right at our uh, website. But that's just some of the stuff that is happening right now. We also just got done uh, literally like 15 minutes ago finished uh the classroom cpr workshop which someone emailed me they were like i didn't sign up for it because i thought it was about cpr no it was on twitter i was saw it twitter? i was like that's my bad that's my bad uh, i i i i i pushed you away it was about how to resuscitate your classroom and not in a real like not like we're not doing heart compressions here it is taking something that might have been great in the beginning of the year that maybe wasn't exactly what you were looking for and we created it that is still available. We're going to make all the workshops. This is one of the things coming up. All the workshops are going to be available on our website. And I'm not going to say anything else more because coming we're soon. Not, we're coming working soon. on it. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm sorry I missed everyone last week. Last week I was in Nebraska at a mini Get Your Teach On. So staff from Get Your Teach On, that's Hope and Wade King, uh, wrote the wild, wild card book. Um, they just, and they have the in many ways, the best 
educational conference. I, there's other ones I really like. I, I think Teach Better's conference is, uh, is they're not comparable. That is an unbelievably great conference as well. But so I got to do this mini get your teach on in Nebraska, which is Kansas City Chiefs territory. And uh, I show up with my Eagles hoodie on to the air to the place where we're staying. But um, it was fantastic, man. I ate at Runza's. I don't know if anyone anyone from Nebraska is like, oh, yeah, Runza's, man, great social media presence. Also, they're hilarious. Uh, so I'm glad to be back. I'm glad to be doing this. Um, what do we got? Wife, you got questions for me? Yeah, Steph Shook is up first. Hit it. Um, asking. Oh, hold on. Sorry. Asking, saying, um, you talked about finding things that will fill you up. Yeah. How do you find those things, especially when you've always been a giver? I never really got a chance to do things for myself. I don't know what I like. I don't know how y'all even read while teaching and life. I feel stuck. So this is a great question. Um, so in the in the follow up, so if you were in part of the if you were part of the VIP today, you got access to uh, a follow up Zoom Q and A. Um, if you were in that today as well, and you weren't able to make it there live, I'm going to send out the recording of that Q&A so you can still glean all the the jewels that John Lopez was dropping in there. But, um, you know, Steph, when you think about what fills you up and being a giver, I think this came from this idea we were talking in the group about how is what you're dealing with in your classroom, in your school, a school problem or is it a you problem? So sometimes I, I was saying that I, although I, I, I do get, let, let me not get this twisted. I get great joy from being in school. I get great joy from many of my students, not all of them, but many of them from some of the people that I work with in, I get great joy from knowing that I'm living on purpose and in, I, I'm, you know, as, as my friend Darius says, I'm in my bag when I, when I'm doing the work in school. That being said, it is not where my joy derives from. I my joy doesn't. I am not. I am not dependent on school to make me feel good. And then my life feels like crap when school's not good. I don't want to do that. Um, I too have been a giver my whole life. I've I don't know if I ever told this story before. This is a day of telling stories I never told before. When I was four years old, my dad died of brain cancer. Leading up to that. That sister that was born um, needed emergency open heart surgery before this was a thing. This was like early, late 70s, um, maybe early 80s, needed emergency heart surgery and had never been done this type of thing before, which was a, a load on my parents, to say the least. Then my dad is going through cancer treatments, is paralyzed on one side of his body. And I am the... I, I am not, I'm, I'm not going to say, I, I'm, I'll just say that I wasn't, I didn't have anything else going on except for just being a kid. But I would, I remember seeing my mom walking around so sad, so overwhelmed, so anxious, so like pressed that I used to write songs. I had, if you remember the show Fame, for the four of you that are old enough, there was a show called Fame. I had this little plastic guitar that said Fame on the bottom of it. And I would sing songs to my mom that I would make up. Um, songs like my number one hit, don't be sad. All right. Cause you know, just, we're not trying to mince words here. We're getting right to the point. Let's don't be sad. And I would just try and make my mom laugh. And, and so that ended up being 
something that has showed up again and again and again in my life, right? Trying to make people happy. Now, I think there's, there is value in that. I think that I've done um, incredible things with that, but like everything else there's a shadow side, right? So in, in learning that that shadow side exists, I need to, I need to learn that I need to give to myself first that without giving to myself, I can't give to anyone else. So I might, um, in my case, Steph, I might hide behind this. I don't have time for me because I'm giving to everyone else. But I know that I ultimately make all the decisions in my life about everything that I'm dealing with. I It, it is nothing like if I don't like my marriage, I just put it on me. If I don't like my the way my kids are behaving, I put it on me. Like, because if I put it on anyone, even if that's not 100% true all the time, right? Like, so maybe some of us are married to someone that it, that is part of the problem, right? But if I put it on them, I can't do anything about it. So I've had to learn to pour into me. To, uh, I need to grow. I need to develop. I'm the one that needs to be in therapy. I can't just hope my wife goes to therapy. I need to be in therapy. I need to be growing. I need to be finding um, friends and things that light me up. So what do I do that lights me up? I think you try stuff, right? Like just go try stuff. And, and I think that, you know, part of the beauty of, of, of life is being able to just try new things, to go new places, to try weird stuff, find something that is wildly unlike you and go do it. And what this does, I, in my experience, is it builds momentum. Um, instead of me convincing myself that I don't do stuff like that, I don't do those things. I don't go to those kinds of places. I am never going to go to a, let's go, let, let, let's go, let's go out there. Um, I would never go to a drag performance. I would never go to um, a church thing. I would never go to, in Philly, they now have these things at the aquarium. They have candlelight concerts, right? Where they play different themes of music. Um, I, like I could see like, there's a version of myself that would go, I don't do that kind of stuff. And instead it's, it's telling myself, yeah, I do. I'm open to all, I, I'm open to joy. I'm open to life. I'm open to excitement. I'm open to fun. And so whatever that looks like, you don't know where you're going to be surprised by delight. Right? We don't. We we think we know, but it's just getting out there and trying stuff. And what that starts building is momentum. What that starts building is a version of you that's down for anything. That you don't have to always necessarily find a thing, but you just are doing, you're living out of joy. You're living out of experimentation. And I can tell you that that's really hard, especially when, you know, some of us have physical issues. We have, there's something going on mentally. You are feeling depressed. You're feeling anxious. You're feeling sick. Um, you know, I think that that is difficult. So in that case, again, this is only, this is what I can say worked for me. I'm not, uh, I'm not a doctor. I don't play one online. It is looking at my diet and which takes way less time to write the ship than, than I think it's looking at my level of exercise and even with exercise, can I just do something fun? Can I do something that is fun and not just go to the gym, but maybe I go rock climbing or bouldering or just taking friggin', a walk yeah, or take outside a walk in the or woods. take my dog like, for a walk. Is there a, a walk, park right? that you love to go to? Is there a place that you love to sit? There's so many things that you can do that are even free of cost, yeah. right? I think it's even knowing like, or even just like the self-development piece. It's like creating time to like sit and I'm going to meditate for two minutes every day and yeah. see what that does to just your, your peace of mind or wherever it is that you want to like work on. I think it just takes intention and time 
and really, really understanding that it's small shifts. It's never anything big. But the shifts, ha- r- r- we said this in the in the workshop this weekend, um, you can't steer a parked car. So you have to be moving in order to build the momentum to shift. And you know what I think is interesting about that too, dude, is that this can feel overwhelming and daunting unless you decide that it's going to be exciting, right? There's not a person in the world that doesn't love a movie where someone recreates themselves. And so I heard someone say, I forget, someone on a podcast said one time, what if your life was a movie and when you're feeling stuck, you're like, you're at that stuck moment of the movie where we all know that they're going to start doing some kind of radical change to, to change the trajectory of their life. And so what kind of weird stuff can you get yourself into? Right. Yeah. I, I I think that that becomes, I mean, we all it, love those Instagram like chat, like uh, profiles to follow. We love those TikToks of like weight loss transformations. Like, you know, we love watching all of those. Like you like seeing someone struggle and then seeing that they made it out of it. Right. But like, they don't have to make it out of it and it'd be a drag. You can make it silly or fun or entertaining or weird. Right. Like, I just think that that it's a, it, yeah, puts it a doesn't matter it's it. how it's just that you do it right. Like it's just movement and, yeah. and starting and even in small things, they really do make a difference. Uh, what's your saying? You always yeah. say small shifts make lead to giant peaks or something like that. Small tweaks lead to giant peaks. Sorry. Did I mess up a sticky girl. statement? <laughs> uh, okay. Are you ready for our next question? Is coming from John Lopez asking, Man. what do you think about all the educational milling vanillas? <laughs> In the in administration, it's Millie Vanillies. Oh, sorry, sorry, my bad. For those of you that don't, I just had this conversation with my son, Millie Vanilli. <laughs> blame it on the rain. They wrote a song, uh, and their album won Album of the Year. And I think they won. I think they won Best New Artist and Album of the Year, if I'm correct. Then it comes out that these two dudes were lip syncing. It happened in a concert where the tape got jacked up, and then it was like, blame it on the, blame it on the, and so they were outed. <laughs> And they, their just careers and lives are ruined. Hmm. Um, educational Milli Vanillis in administration. I, look, Lopez, this is one of those things where um, I have an answer. But I just know how I do it. So again, I'm not like, there's sure. different ways to do stuff. I just don't pay them any mind. Like if I know someone sucks at their job, well, I, I just that don't... was your whole your whole admin last year. It was. Like... I just I don't go to them for anything. Right. So here's what happened last year. Um, I I'm trying to think of an example. Uh, One that you can give. Yeah. So I'll give the fighting example that I gave in the workshop. Right. So real brief, the version is had a fight, almost break out of my classroom. Not unheard of. Teach all teenage boys. Right. That something happened. Something dumb. There was almost a fight. Um, I went in the hallway where there's supposed to be what we call an SSL, right? It's basically a security officer that's standing in the hallway. <clears throat> I should be able to call them down to help me de-escalate or to take one student away so that I can handle the other student. And we, we readjust from there. Um, something goes down. There's no one in the hallway. I, my co-teacher who is much smaller, uh, and not as strong as these two big boys that I had in my classroom, um, is trying to break it up while I go to the hallway to get someone, right? Because uh, it's it started to escalate, it died down. I went to the hallway, it escalated again while I was in the hallway. She had to try and break it up. Uh, no one's there. So I go to the assistant principal. I say, hey, I'm supposed to have your phone number. I forgot to ask you in the beginning of the year. Your cell phone number, the phone the school gave to you for this very reason. 
Um, so I can either text or call you if I need you because there was no one in the hallway. Oh, well, I'm not going to give you that phone number um, because I don't do it. Like I don't, I don't look at my phone. Uh, it's not, it's not how I do things. Okay. So I'm curious as to what's the plan then. So what you're going to do is if a fight is about to break out in your room or you need a student removed for some reason, right? Maybe they're crying. Maybe they are upset about something. Maybe they're angry. Um, you are going to call the office on your school phone, right? And so now everyone hears, I have a student in here who is crying that needs someone to come to, I need the counselor to come downstairs or whatever. I have to call. Then that person's going to call the assistant principal. Then the assistant principal is going to get on a walkie talkie and walkie talkie to someone. And then they're going to show up to my classroom. So I don't know if anyone's ever seen a teenage fight, but that fight's already done. And someone is without teeth. Um, so last year I realized that that was a stupid idea. Uh, I was also told that I could yell down the hallway too, if I needed to, I could just yell down the hallway and then she would show up. So one day there's a fight in my room and it is such an egregious fight. I mean, this, these two kids, I mean, they, things were all over my room. My desk got flipped. It was like, it was, it was one of the worst fights I've ever seen. No one was in the hallway. I called the office. No one was in the office. I yelled down the hallway and nobody was down there. Turns out the entire administrative team was in the, just kicking it in the lunchroom, just sitting there talking with one another and no one else was around to help in the school. So in those moments, I don't go to, I don't go to the administrative team that I know doesn't work. I'll put them on notice, but then I go to the, I go to the, to the board meeting. I call the administrative office. I want to speak to the CEO of the school. I want to see talk to the superintendent of the school. I'm, I'm going to the place that's actually going to get change made. I go to the decision makers. I don't go to the managers. And so, and administrative teams can be different, right? Some administrative teams are real and they're, they are leading your school, right? When we were out in Nebraska, man, the unbelievable administrative team, right? They are leading their teachers into great places, creating opportunities for the students that are unbelievable. But then you also have, get administrators that are merely managing, they are keeping the status quo. And so their job is to keep things where they are. It's like, I'm not interested in that. So that's, that's just how I've ever dealt with it. It's like, I just go, I go, I don't go to you then I go to the decision maker. Um, and I think that's the only way that you can, because you even tried in the beginning. I'm going to say, just speak on the other. You really did yeah, try before you, you, Cause you want to respect that. that. You want to respect right. the position. I I know the, the hierarchy. I know the, the food chain here. Right. So I just want to make it known to other everyone who's listening. Yeah. Like you really did do that. Like you tried to work with those folks as best as possible until you realized that nothing was going to change or there was no willingness to actually improve or make anything better for the behalf of the students like you just rose above that yeah. then because <laughs> the students are what matter the most right all right um our next question is going to coretta asking how do you not show your dislike for your co-teacher I, <laughs> oh. <laughs> I do my best to hide it and i'm professional but he is not and the students have started to notice but he doesn't do uh, his job. I teach elementary. Um, oh, continued down here. I've told him don't don't make my job hard because I can clearly see you don't want to be here. I'm here for the students, but some days I want to tell them all. <laughs> what do I do? I think I've had a lot of bad co-teachers in my life. Uh, I've also had some of the best. And so and I've had some that I've had to grow. With. I was going to say, you've had some that were mediocre yeah. that you had to like really so train up. So I have been, so there's a couple different ways I deal with this. One is putting people on notice, 
Um, and so what I mean by that is I had a teacher one year that was doing things that, that I thought were not that I just didn't like, they were like counterproductive and, and, and damaging to, I think, student experience in the classroom. So I, um, I would just have a conversation with them afterwards about like the, the, so it was never blame. It was, this is what I think I'm seeing in the classroom. Um, and then that opens up a conversation and then I want to practice active listening skills. So I want to act to them the way that I want them to act to me. Right. So I say, hear that, say something and I go, so what I'm hearing you say is, and I repeat it back to them. Right. And sometimes that has a good effect. <clears throat> Other times just put my foot down. I had, a, I had a guy one time that used to sleep in the back of my class. Uh, I had a woman, I actually had a woman that came to my school that was my co-teacher and she slept the whole day on my couch. Like I'm talking knocked out first day of school. So I just, this is in the conversation. This isn't. So what I think I'm seeing is that you're tired or is there something going on? Or like, it's like, no, we like, I knew you enough. So as soon as that, that lunchtime came that day, I was like, listen, I'm not sure where you come from or what you're used to, but this is not how this is going to play out. I am here to help kids win. And I think we owe it to them and to their parents to show up as our best selves and do our work. If there's something going on, we can talk about that. But otherwise, you need to snap out of it and show up or you need to find another classroom to be a part of. And, and we can go to the principal and have that conversation. So it was being very forthright, but not being mean, uh, not being pushy. But I felt like it was fair where it was like, if you have something else going on, I'm more than willing to talk about that. I'm, I'm, I love love. And so I'd love to have that conversation with you. But um but if not, if this is just like, because I would see this all the time, like folks would get their jobs like in inner city or like a title one school. And they just think like, you're just going to be able to chill. Like, it doesn't matter here because you're not going to get in trouble. And I'm saying, no, we're here on a mission, bro. Like we're trying to, we're trying to help kids change their lives. And so, um, and so <clears throat> in doing that, it was being very direct. Other times I've had folks that were so egregiously bad, but over time, that once I just walked out of the classroom, I went to the to the uh, administrator's office and I told them I would never work with that person again. You need to get this. I had a guy that kicked a kid. And so I was like, I'm not, there's not a chance. I will not work with this individual anymore. Um, you need to figure something out because I'm not going back in that classroom. And so it is to me figuring out um, what do I want and how do I get it? So it's not always just riding it out. It's like, who can I talk to? Who can I put like a, what do they say? Put a bug in your ear, which is a weird thing to say. Who can I like put on the no, either very directly or indirectly as to what I want and how I think is going to best benefit students. That's what we need to have the conversation about. I want to, I want what I want. I don't want to, I don't want to ride it out. Um, so that's, that's where my head goes. It's like, how am I going to get what I want? Cause I, cause what I want is what's best for kids is what I hope. Absolutely. All right. Our next question is coming from Sharon. I've been taking care of my mom with dementia for three years and it is not going well right now. She doesn't know my name. How do you stay present for the students when family stress overwhelms you? Oh, Sharon. Um, I just want to say that I'm really sorry that your mom is even going through that and that you have to go through with her. I took care of a lot of dementia patients and it's just hard. They have a special place in my heart. Yeah. Cause some of it, I feel like when you're on the outside, like 
you worked with a woman named Lily and Lily would forget who I was every single time. Well, that she forgot we, whoever I was yeah, even. And I took like, care of her every we'd day. We'd just be at lunch and she's like, and like literally every few minutes, she'd be like, hey, who are you? And I, so I would, <laughs> I could have fun with it because it was like, I, and, and it was kind of It's easier when it's not your lovely. family member. Exactly. But, <clears throat> you know, I took care of my mom when she had cancer. Uh, it's hard. And it is, it's very difficult to see this person that you held in such high esteem, like, like, Go like a baby process. now, right? Yeah. And, and so um, I've had a lot of different things happen in my life, Sharon, from stuff we've had happen personally that was like medical issues or like- Losing um, a baby. Yeah, yeah. Like so I wasn't going to talk. Yeah, That's having okay. a miscarriage, like in the middle of the night in the hospital, no one even knew that you were there. Um, having our kids, like they thought my daughter had like a really- bad heart, uh, like a rare heart disease when she was born. And that was a whole friggin' thing. And then you have to show up and, and do the show, right? I think some of it, Sharon, is sharing with your students to the extent of which is you're comfortable with and which is appropriate. And that's going to be something you have to measure on your own. What's going on? Talking to them about what's happening. Um, allowing other people into the process. Uh, it is allowing our students to show empathy and sympathy in a way that they may not be able to do otherwise, that they've never been asked to do or been, never been called upon. And that makes kids feel, I think it empowers young people. Um, you're not just putting your stuff on them. You're allowing them to show up and care. So if I had a hard night um, with my, if I'm, we're in the hospital, my wife has a miscarriage, my wife needs to have uh, a, an emergency surgery in the middle of the night, which has also happened. Um, it's going to school the next day and saying, oh, listen, y'all. Um, had a really hard night last night. My wife was in the hospital. She had to have a procedure done. I didn't tell them that she had a miscarriage. Uh, had a, have had a procedure done. It was life-threatening. Um, and I'm just tired today. Like, I'm going to need a minute to bounce back from this. So, like, the regular Reynolds that you see that comes in and is on friggin' 11 every single day, whoo, let's go, is, is like, at about a six at best right now. So, like... Um, I just need that from you all. And so you'll find that kids want to show up and do that for you. I think it's also calling upon your staff. You know, I was having this conversation with my daughter the other day. My daughter is very independent. <laughs> um, but we had to have this conversation the other day where she's trying to do too much, didn't want anybody to help her. I said, there's a difference. There's a fine line between um, independence and pride, right? We need to be able to call upon the people. We need to remember that we're part of a teaching community um, and so looking for those folks. And I think what that does also, Sharon, is like there's going to be a time in your life when um, you your life will be, I don't like air quotes, but like it'll feel normal. Someone else is going to be going through something that's that's their, it's, it's a dark moment for them. And when we learn how to navigate this person as the person that's going through it, we can show up later as the person that has been through it. So now when I have students that are like, you know, my mom is dying, I'm, I know I've been there, right? I don't know what your exact experience is like, but I know that I have been through that for me, that hardest part of my life. If I know someone that their child is struggling with something, I know what that's like uh, for me, right? So you're, you are transforming, you're using that pain to transform, but we can only do that if we go through this um, in a way that's open, that's vulnerable, that's asking for help, that's accepting help. Um, and, and, and being kind to ourselves, I think, and then we can show up later that that's kind of like, if we were to put a benefit to it, it's, 
it's not just taking the loss, it's taking the lesson, right? It's showing up. Um, and, and so, yeah, and be kind to yourself. Like, if you need days off, take friggin' days off. Like, don't, like... No matter if you're there's a teacher shortage yes. in your school, that has that's not your responsibility. No, you get to one mom, you get one life, yep. you get one time with her, use it to the best of your ability. And just let, let me just say this, Sharon. I'm I'm gonna go off this a little bit. I also these are moments when you're gonna you're gonna wish you held your mom's hand more. That you're gonna wish that you told her she you loved her. And if she has dementia, that means you might have to tell her every friggin' two minutes and just keep telling her all the time, keep holding her hand, keep loving her. Um, and having those moments, because these are the moments that like, when you get, when you're getting to the, I'm not necessarily going to say the end, but like, you're in this tricky part of, of her life, uh, that man, you really wish you, you those are the you moments that all. matter. Yeah. My other piece of advice to deal with someone who has Alzheimer's and dementia, because it's very, very hard. And you probably already even know this if, if you've been dealing with um, this for three years is to try and laugh at the wackiness, at the silliness that happens in dementia, right? Like I had a patient that would hide kitchen dishes and <laughs> sometimes knives in her like sock drawer or her dirty laundry she would just put back away like so it can get really really frustrating but it's also if you can try and find the joy and the love and the light in all of that it will just help make the journey a little bit easier i remember we used to do that with my mom it all the time hard, yeah. my mom went through this phase where she would call there's kids in the room um where she would consider my wife was a whore all the time. Not a nice lady. <laughs> that my mom's cancer started spreading to her brain, and she would just she would be like, "Or she just you? grabbed the phone and say people were stealing she, her or kidnapping her." Like she, she would, was just wild. So we would just go along with it. It just became this thing of like, um, it was a way to turn. You the, just like, kind of had a because that could be really it was yeah. really offensive, right? The things that she would say, but you just try and we would try and flip it, and there were all kinds of ways that we just tried to like kind of love her through it smile at it not have it bring us down and things of that nature so all the best sharon yes please um all right taylor is up next it's a two-parter i believe yep. asking how can i make eighth grade ela fun for kids who literally couldn't care less when i did um uh, look it yep. the other day i had kids cheating um, I have kids who truly enjoy being jerks in class and we can't get through five minutes without having to stop and address their behaviors. Also how to keep them from eating erasers. It's a real, <laughs> it's a real problem. I know. I friggin' have, my daughter's not allowed to touch any pencils back there. She, no, she that's not her. That's Brody does that. So we oh, bought really? these. Oh. Not that you could, at least for home. It, it looks like a Lego. It's a, what are they called? It's a jewelry. It but, seems disgusting. Probably has germs. All I mean, over. probably. Um, but anyway, it's, it's not better, good really than, for it's better than eating an eraser. Uh, so, Taylor, I think that kids do enjoy being jerks. The question is why they enjoy being a jerk, right? I think kids love attention. I think kids love power. I think kids love... Um, oh, wait. I'm sorry. That wasn't a two-part question. I, I mean, it was just two questions. Oh. So make sure you answer both right. separately. Well, let's go back to the first one in a second. But, okay. Um, I think it is identifying... Getting, trying to get to know those students in the best way that you can, right? It's not always easy. So sometimes asking someone else about a student is, is fine because kids aren't going to want to talk to you. They're not going to want to share their story. Find out what their story is. Because once you know what someone's story is, sometimes that changes the way that we even look at, at people. Um, we see that folks have a reason for why they're acting a particular way, uh, but they don't have, it's not an excuse, but it's a reason. 
Um, and so that that's one thing. I, I had a student last year uh, who was a nightmare. Um, came in every day like like a tornado. When they weren't in school, it was like you felt like you basically had the day off, man. It was that much of a thing. And then I found out that his mom had cancer for a year and that she died over the summer, right? No therapy. Living with an aunt now or, or his grandma, one of the two. Um, dad's not in the picture. Like, that's it. Your whole life is upended. Your whole house is gone. All your friends, your old place that you used to live, like all your stuff. Of course, you're acting like a jerk. Of course, you're out of pocket every single day. So it is knowing that there are kids. Look, I'm not even going to say, I'm going to say, and, and I'm not a, I, I'm not a neurologist or something, but some kids are just jerks. Some kids are just like, I, we know people that have made <laughs> children that they just have jerky kids. To, and it's like, your parents are so great. I saw how they raised you. I was there the whole time. You just ended up, you have like jerk DNA or something. Maybe I think 99% of the time, it's not the truth. There's something else going on. And so when we can get to the bottom of some of those stories. It changes things. Um, the other thing is having very clear outcomes. If you do this, it leads to this. If you act this way, say this thing, do this thing, here is what's going to happen next. But I keep it very, very stoic like this. I don't get emotional. Even if I'm flaming angry inside, I just talk to them like, um, Tim, Tim is always my kid that does stuff wrong. Uh, Tim, if you do it again, here's what's going to happen next. And it's not a conversation. I don't want to hear you talk about it. If you want to talk about it, here's the time that you can come in and talk about it. But I'm not willing to have this conversation 97 times. Tim. You're not doing work. Are you refusing to do work? Um, do I have to call home? Tim, if I call home, this is exactly what the conversation is going to sound like. And then I document everything, right? The documentation is always a thing that if this goes to the administration, if mom or dad want to come into the school and have a meeting, you need to document stuff. So even when I send emails home, I do not call home. Calling home, I can't record, I can't record it. I can't document it. I can just say I called home to express these needs. But what I said, how I said it is lost, right? It's like in the abyss. Um, the So what I do is send an email home and CC the IEP case manager, um, the assistant principal, the principal, the, the whoever is in charge in your school, right? The counselor. I CC these people, sometimes BCC them so that I so that we're all in the loop together. I then want to talk to other teachers that might have this student as well, see what's working, see how they might be communicating. And if they're not, how can we formulate a plan around these individuals? Because this is not going to happen. All. I am not, as an adult, going to show up to work every day and survive your behavior. It's just never, ever going to happen. So I go full tilt, like talking to everyone, doing everything, like so we can figure this out. But it has to come out of this place, Taylor. It has to come out of a place of how are we going to help the student win and help the rest of the class? Because if we have a handful of kids that are being out of pocket, it is jeopardizing everyone else's education. This isn't just about the one kid, right? It is about the class. So when I go to the principal and I talk about this, this class is not meeting expectation because of these particular individuals, we need to come up with a plan to formulate around these individuals to figure out what we're going to do. And that's how I, I do that. Um, eating erasers. Uh, I wouldn't give kids erasers anymore. Like, well, just get, 
You lost the privilege. Yeah, there's no mistakes in our class anymore. Scratch it um, out. I, I wouldn't know. even buy like jewelry for them. They could buy it themselves. No, that's not you, or that's a parent. If it's their own it. eraser, just eat your eraser. Like, like whatever. You're the one who has to deal with, you know, intestinal issues from eating whatever they make erasers. I think of. you can just remind them that it's not good for their health. Yeah. Like, let's talk <laughs> about this. It's not the weird reality. like parent. It's not good for your yet. health. Here's what's going to happen. Don't poop an eraser. That's the name of my children's book. And also. This is not like socially acceptable outside of this classroom. It shouldn't even be acceptable in here. But if you go on a date with someone one day and you have a pencil in your pocket, and you take it out and you start eating an eraser. Unless that person's a goat, um, you're gonna have a real problem. Gonna you're never gonna. Me. You're never gonna find. All love. right. Can you go back to her first Please, question? Let's hit it real which quick. Which was how can I make eighth grade ELA fun for kids that couldn't care less? I don't worry about the kids that couldn't care less. That's my honest answer. I look at the majority of the students. I think that nothing attracts a crowd like a crowd. And you can't, you can take a horse to water and you can't make it drink, but you can make it thirsty. So if I am focusing on the kids that are engaged, that want to do the thing, um, then I separate myself from trying to win over someone that doesn't want to be won over. This isn't, I'm not like dating and it's like, you know, this isn't like Salma Hayek over there. And I'm like, I will do anything to get her to marry me. Uh, that's my vice wife, by the way, if anything ever happens <laughs> to my wife. Um, but it is, uh, trying is looking at the kids that want to and then trying to make that seem so enticing that other students want to do it the other thing is a lot of you have to look at you know sometimes it's looking at why kids don't care right that again right it's like learning what your story is maybe you can't read maybe you're undiagnosed dyslexic maybe you have a really hard time sitting still for a long time maybe you had a bad experience in your last several years in your english class and it sucked Every day sucked. And so now you just know that it sucks, right? So um, it's finding those ways, like finding out what is behind the story, um, trying stuff. But then ultimately, I spend no more time on students that don't care than I do on students that care. And I think we teachers often do this where when they're lesson planning, they decide what they're going to do and not do based on one to three kids in the classroom never going to happen. I'm doing this thing. If you can't engage appropriately, then you might have to sit out, stay to the side, do something else. I have an alternative assignment for you because right now I don't feel like you're going to find success in this because that's what it's all about. It's all about kids finding success. If I don't think you're going to find success in building something with Legos because you keep chucking them across the classroom, then you're jeopardizing other people's education and you're not finding success in this. So let's find you something that you do find success in. And so that's how I, I look at it. sh that shift. I also just want to say, I think it's also about like, how do you make it fun? You have to make it, you have to, I think kids need to understand why something they're learning the thing. That's at least I've noticed with our level. kids, right? Like just because you have to, or because it's school or because we're going to have a test on or we're supposed to, or it's the curriculum, no one gives a crap about that answer, no. which means you're not, I don't care what you do to it, what kind of even sprinkling magic you're going to put on it. It's just not going to, they're not going to care, yep. but the sprinkling magic has to be relevant to like their actual life. That's why connecting it to pop culture, what they like, why is whatever you're teaching the skill that you're teaching? Why? Why is it relevant to a kid's life? Yeah. Like, 
you know, you want to be a YouTuber? Great. Well, you got to learn how to read contracts. You have to learn how to like email people. So writing is important. There are, re there are real reasons why things yeah. are important other than just because it's in school and yeah. we do it and this is what we have to. And if kids That's can't under, other, I, mean, I know, but that is like a huge crux of it. It's like if kids don't understand like why they're learning something or why it's necessary in their life, it's just, they're just never going to care. Yeah. Because school is just, it's like, it's so we have to do it. It's like, you have to, it has to be deeper and yeah. bigger. Than Kids that. also like hating school a lot of times too. They do. So you, they do. That's fair. <laughs> I'm going to trick you out of it. I just want you to think my class sucks the least. I've learned that making it relevant to like why the skill is that you're learning is yeah. important. That's shifted for our own daughter because she comes home and it's like, why do I even have to do this? Like and It's like you don't. Or here, or there's, there's something to, to grinding through something. Yeah. Let's practice the grind. Let's practice. So I, we talk about through. the soft skills with Marley, like yeah. why those are important. Soft and skills. I know. Stupid term. <laughs> okay. Let's, Michelle is up next asking, Hey Reynolds, uh, thank you for answering my question about being a first year, uh, bed teacher on here a few weeks ago. Sure. I want to get, um, first year teachers at my school together during lunch to create a a support. Um, what are some things you think that we can do all together for self-care during that lunch period? We can have a discussion on struggles, but any ideas on fun group activities we can do? Um, I think that first of all, let's just not even go there yet and just say, Michelle, this is friggin' brilliant that you're intentionally building community with individuals in order to support one another, to have a better experience at school. Yes. Stella. Like, and in a not, teachery way mm -hmm. right like so like when i say teachery i often i always mean like this is like we try and make things clinical so it's like i don't know it just makes me feel like when they had uh like dance learn how to do a dance and they put like the dance step stickers on the ground i was like this is where you want to move I it's like it's like one, watching a powerpoint on how to fall I think in love at one it's time like, like that was like the way to teach everybody was like this very clinical like yeah, but why? Way? I don't know. Because like, schools were formulated to get yeah. people ready to become factory farm, factory workers. And that's how factories work. So we we were creating workers. Yeah, but and haven't we learned now that the motivation is like by like. Yeah, but you know, any by... large institution, you can't just change overnight, right? Yeah. It's like a, it's like a giant train moving. It's like the Titanic couldn't just pivot yes, when they yes, saw I the know. iceberg. <laughs> so um, it's it's these large institutional changes are difficult. So what Michelle's doing here is like gorilla. Yeah, it's great. Gorilla education. Like, you know, I'm just going to take it to the lunchroom or, this, or the lunch period. And this is how we're going to do it. I I think um, anything that's fun, right? So, like, I, I think that it could be just talking about stuff. I'd steer the conversation away. I make it very clear this is not a negative space. This is not a place for people to just complain. If you have an issue and you want to bring it to the group and we're going to help you work through it, that's great. But as a place to just like, oh, my gosh seventh period today they're just the worst i just hate them every day you know or like when you see people and they're like how are you and you're like i'm still here still above the dirt it's like bro what in the <laughs> freak like i'm not hanging out with you anymore i like who the hell wants to be above the dirt your life is a magical blessing the fact you're even here is like the odds of being born are like a trillion to one or some crazy crap like that it's like i don't have time for that and I don't have time to train you. What I'm trying to do is create a, a space of, of opportunity, of joy, of optimism, um, and of support to help one another out. So I would look at, I mean, 
dude, you could play games. You could do trivia. You could do, I mean, when I think of like goofy stuff we just do with our friends, it's like using Alexa to do like a music trivia thing or like what's name that song kind of a thing. Or um, there's a million games at Target where you have like questions that, um, that you that, ask one another that are even that little tiny book that you had that was like rando questions there's a couple of, book like, of questions yeah you called. can find things like that i yeah. think that they're just fun ways to like breathe some life back yeah. into your day when you yeah have a so long difficult day we had when my last year in camden new jersey um we were in this weird thing we got in trouble for something as a staff i don't know it's a whole long story uh story of my life though they got put us in this upper hallway that was near no one. So when our students would leave every day to go to lunch, they would they set it up so they went to an elective, they went to gym, and they went to lunch. So we had all of our prep periods were all together, all the teachers together in the middle. And when I tell you we had the most fun of anyone, we had a hallway to ourselves all off at the same time. We would decorate each other's classrooms when someone was out you would just like decorate their classroom or go in and do something silly we would um do stuff like we would have potlucks all the time where like everyone would bring in a thing we when the phillies home opener philadelphia phillies baseball team had a home opener we brought a grill to school and we had a cookout out back of the school and no one even knew that we were doing this stuff right we used to go like we, we did a lot of stuff together and but it was you start it's building momentum. It's getting something started, thinking of a few things that we can do. Eating is always great because people love to eat together, bringing in things that we can share. Um, and then that's going to build the momentum into just a friendship that's going to lead to people saying like what they want this to look like or what it could look like. But awesome idea. Friggin' love it. All right. The dysregulated educator is up next asking, I have a very difficult defiant student where none of my SEL ODD SPED tools work. I am supported by admin and there is hope in the long term, but the ship turns slow. Sure does. I am exhausted. What's the best way to pump the brakes on efforts to save my mental health without appearing like I am giving up on them? So here's the thing about giving up on kids. Um, I'm not against it. Uh, and, but here's how that looks like, right? It's not like the typical kind of answer. It is, I tell students regularly that, um, I have a kid, I have a kid last year who came to school, was high most days, did all the stuff, mom, the social worker, the principal, all the things, right? Um, still kept showing up stoned out of his mind, didn't do any work, would sleep through my entire class. And then at the end of the quarter, right before progress reports would come in with a sob story about how they needed all the work and they were going to make it up and all this crap. Right. Um, and I find that when students, especially when a kid has your heart, right? Like, you know, a little bit of their story, you know, who they are, you can see, you can see through the facade, right? You realize that like smoking weed on your way to school at such an extent where you're going to pass out in class is not, you're not just being, you're not just being Spicoli over here. This is like, you're, you're self-medicating because I know what's happening in your life and that this is how you're getting through. I've had a lot of students do this um, with all kinds of substances, but it is realizing that um, even though you have my heart, you can't have all of my time. And so what that's going to look like now is I tell kids, listen, this is what's happening. This is where your grade is. This is what the trajectory of your school year is going to look like. Um, and 
this is where I'm at with you. I need you to know, and this is my own language. I don't suggest that everyone throw around the L word, but I do. I need you to know that I love you, that I care about you, and that all I want, that my whole goal of my life is for you to be successful. But right now I can see that you don't want any of those things. So when you're ready, I'm going to keep teaching class. I'm going to keep doing my thing, but I'm not going to keep waking you up every three seconds. Uh, I'm not going to keep writing home and doing all the things. I will document and then I will keep teaching my class. When you're ready, I need you to know that I'm here, that I'm not giving up on you in a way where I'm just done with you. I need you to know that when you're ready, show up. Like when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Well, this isn't a mystery. I'm, the teacher's here. But when you want help, when you want to get better, I, I'll do anything, anything. But it has to be a willing participation. I'm not going to carry you over the finish line, but I'll run next to you during the whole damn marathon. And so that's the conversation I have with students. And then I just stop dealing with it. Um, and I make sure that the administration knows. I make sure that my team knows. I make sure that parents know that like, and I don't say like, I'm not going to do anything anymore, but it's like, this is an ongoing problem. And then I just start, I start documenting all of it. And then I move on and I focus on the students that need me. Because here's the thing for every kid you have that is crying for attention. There's someone that's silently suffering in your class that you don't even know. There's a kid with anxiety. There's a kid that struggles. There's a kid that doesn't feel like they, anyone even cares because they come to class every day and they pay it. They look like they're paying attention and they look like the efforts there, but really they're failing either in reality or just in their own minds. And I'm looking for those kids. I'm looking for who can I affect change in or help unlock um, or, or work with that I was, who was I overlooking before? Because this kid takes up so much space, right? That I need to look for who else is in here that might need some of this. And so that's how I shift out of that place too. All right, Veronica is up next asking, I am currently working in a large low income school. I'm considering switching to a brand new school opening up in August. What are some pros and cons to consider? So um, Veronica, I think, you know, for me, it's where, one, where do I feel called to be, right? So like, let's look at that word for a second, because it might be a little bit too woo-woo or weird for people. But where does my gut pull me towards? Where do I feel like I'm supposed to be? And where would I be most effective? So for me, ninth grade was only my ever, that's the only through point in my career that I've only that I've always taught ninth grade. I have taught other grades, but at the same time as teaching ninth grade, because I knew that in ninth grade is when I felt invisible, when I could have used someone like me in that time of my life. So I'm going to show up and be the thing that I wish I had when I was a kid, right? That's how I picked ninth grade. Um, the other thing is I've all, I started wanting to just teach inner city, but not because like that can get tricky um, because it's like, why are you here? Is this a white savior complex? Like, what are you doing here? For me, it was looking at and working with folks that were marginalized and bringing what I had to that situation to try and show up and be, it's the same reason I live in the neighborhood I live in. I do not live in a pretty neighborhood. I live in a neighborhood that looks like it needs good neighbors. And so that doesn't come out of sort of any sort of savior complex to, that I know of. It comes out of a space of like wanting to show up and do good in places that need people to do good. And so, but what I learned over my career is that that's not the only kind of place that needs good. Like I've, I, the, one of the 
the honors of doing what I do is I get to go speak at schools all over the country and I get to see and meet students that like kids that are in really wealthy private schools that I think like, what you got, these kids got no problems. They they don't need anybody here. They have all kinds of problems because they're young and because you don't know what their family's putting on them. And so it is trying to figure out where's the best place for you. So teachers make this, this mistake all the time. They go for what's the hardest thing in the world. And if it's not hard, they don't get to feel validated. They didn't do the work. And I think that's nonsense. I think it's go where you can be a blessing to others. And that's where you do it. Whether that's at a great school, you might be at a school that you friggin' love, right? That it is, it is, everyone gets along. The admin supportive kids needs are met. There's like a special education department that actually does what they are about. Um, and so maybe be there, but be like, it's like, how can I add what I'm bringing to this also? It's so it's looking at how can you be a value add? Where is the place that you're called to be? And how can you be a blessing to others in that space? Like, and then go there. So if this is not, if your current working situation, um, like my, mine last year, when I, when I left in June, um, I'd never go back to that school, right? Like at this, at the version that it's at now, never. Um, I was there for many, many years. And it was the best, the best. And then guess what? You but know, it wasn't problem free. It, it wasn't had problem free. Many, ever. many of oh the same gosh, inner no. city problems, but there that's the key that other people won't know if yeah. you don't tell them is that there was a group of people that were in it for the right reasons for the kids, yeah. for being the best that we can be, um, despite like the adversity. All the stuff it's I mean, right. it's it's West Philadelphia. It's it's the poverty, it's the drugs it's the it's the things that come into your school it's the shootings it's it, there's a it's lot police, of stuff it's all of it um it's you're not without that but you're also not without joy like i don't that's why yeah that's a whole i will just say this always know when you're going to something new something brand new there's always kinks there's always things to work out yeah it won't be just smooth and and because it's new like that's one thing I've learned yeah. just because it's new doesn't mean it's going to be better or perfect or smooth. There's always a growing period and transition for when things are new. Um, okay. Our next question is coming from John Fox. When going on inter on interviews, looking for a new school, what questions to ask or things to look to help see if the school aligns with your, with your values? Fox, I'm going to tell you this. I think it's intuition and gut a lot of it. And it's not, it is, really looking at things like they are not how we wish they were. Um, it's intuition and gut, but what are the questions that you could ask a school that would give some insight to that? Okay. So uh, how do you, I, I look, it's real straightforward. Like how do you, um, what do you, what do you do for students that you, that you think most schools don't do? Right. Like, like what, what is, what is a problem? What is a solution that you all, what do you all love that you do? What do you think you're really good at? Where do you think you could grow and get better? What are some things that you all are doing that you think other schools should maybe like take a lesson from? Like we, we do this and we, and this builds community, this builds brotherhood or sisterhood, or um, this builds connection between our, our teachers. Um, how do you all feel about, for me, it's things that are important to me. How do you feel about autonomy? How do you feel about, um, about teacher work-life balance. What are your views on that? How do you, how, how do you all help teachers through that? What is your, 
what does your growth plan for teachers look like? Right. So teachers like, you know, we can't just, you don't just show up and you're ready, you're done, you're developed. You have to keep developing over the years. So what does your teacher development plan look like? Um, what's your mission, right? Like what, how, how can I see that in every day? Right. So like, what's your school's mission and how can I see that played out in real time in, in, in the day? Um, and you know, I, I am big into intuition. So I read people when they're talking to me, I can tell largely if you're full of crap. Um, but I can't let my wanting to be at a school. Uh, there've been schools that I've, that I think I, this hasn't really happened to me, but I know friends that like wanted a job so badly that they, it's like, it's like this, John, it's like when you know someone that's dating someone that you're like, this is not a good <laughs> fit and they're like no 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 and you you know your friend just has heart eyeballs and, and like there's hearts floating off of them like they're in looney tunes or something and you're like you're not looking at the reality of this like you're lost in the magic of the moment um it's really trying to be real and look at things in a real way too like that but i think answering those asking those questions and seeing what someone says back yeah i think you'll get a lot of good like from the answers like, yeah. where you can go with your which intuition. is a good point i mean it's a good reminder look we're when you go for an interview that is not the school just interviewing you. It's you interviewing the school, right? If you go on a date, you're not just seeing, I hope you want to date me. You have to see if this is someone you want to date too. And, and go on a job interview is no different. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's do two more questions before we end. Okay. Um, Noah is up next. When you give advice, like the person who wants to navigate the bad co-teacher situation, do you sometimes try putting yourself in the position of someone without tenure or with less privilege? This is a great question. Noah, um, and, and so, oh man. So I would say yes, but here's the, here's the situation. Um, I am naturally forthright and confident. And so that lends itself to my behaving in a in a particular way. If I'm not that I either want to, so what I try to think of is like, if I, if I'm working with a teacher, so I do this a lot when I mentor people. So like, um, I, I have teachers that sign up through the website and, and it's like, there's no application process. It's like, if you sign up for mentoring with me through my website, I will do an hour long phone call with you and several people do like several weeks or whatever. Um, that gives me a little bit more of an inclination as to where someone might be starting from or where they're coming from. Um, so with that in mind, it is like, what if someone is not me? Um, and I'm not, let me say this note too. I'm not trying to say like, like I'm forthright and, and confident. And so like, I don't have issues or I'm like a boss. Like that's so dumb. Like I would, I'm not trying to say that. Um, but different folks are coming from different places. And so I think it is why I think I talk so much about personal growth and development as well. Why I talk about things about like being mindful of the five people you spend the most time with, because you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. It's, it is not knowing that not all problems are school problems, but some things are you problems and that those things can be, you can grow out of those. You can develop, you can become better version of yourself. And so, um, and when we, when we're not there yet, when we are younger, 
teachers when we are not as in this is not in any way a judgment call, but we're not as developed as some other folks might be or or who you're just you're not you're con you're growing into who you're going to be. Right. Um, we, which we all are. It is really looking at those moments and thinking um, the like, who can I be around? Who can I get advice from? Who can I go for help? too. So it's not always doing the thing yourself, but like I might, if I was in a school and I had an issue with a co-teacher and I was younger and not really sure what to do, I would go find help, right? I'm always looking for the helpers. And the older I've gotten, I can tell you this, Noah, that um, it has absolutely been like, I want to fast track everything now. I am like, I wish I started therapy when I was a little kid, right? I just feel like I'd be so much further along at this point. I want a coach for everything. I want a coach for my finances, for my marriage, for my kids, for my business, for my education. Like I'm constantly looking for people. And so I, I can see what you're saying and how I may come off, but it's like, um, if I were younger, that would be my go-to is like, I would hear what's happening here on, on the show and then thinking, who can I connect with? that's going to help me get the answer that I want because I don't know everything. Um, and, and I do that in my own life. I'm, I'm this is why I'm saying this. Like I know there are things that I'm just not good at. There's things that I don't do well. And so instead of figuring it out, I don't want the long learn. I want the long learning curve. I want, I want the, the spark notes. I want someone to coach me through it. Cause I'm going to get through it a lot faster. All right. You ready for your last one? Yes. All right. That was a damn good question, man. Yeah. That was like, yeah. Uh, Vanessa is up next asking, realistically, what percentage of time a teacher spends each day on classroom management in a Title I school? I'm considering teaching. However, as a substitute, I spend 100% of the time doing classroom management. So one, Vanessa, you can't, I wouldn't go off of uh, student teaching. Um, substitute. Because you're built, you, you, when you have your own classroom, you do spend a lot of time doing classroom management. I think as a younger teacher, you spend more because you're trying to figure out your rhythms um, and your routines and things of that nature. But as an older teacher, here's what happens. As an older teacher, I wouldn't even just say older because we're, I don't want to, I don't want to confuse age with wisdom. It's like, there's one thing that I've learned as I get older is that some people just get older. They don't get wiser. Uh, wisdom is, is hard, hard won. It's fought for it's, it's, it's earned. And so, um, if you have a class and you are constantly trying to get better, what you find is that the kids that are the biggest problem in your class in your first year of teaching, this isn't the only time you're ever going to deal with them. So putting your head in the sand and hoping that they go away and that you never have a kid like that ever again is, is wrong. Every once in a while, you get a kid that's like a unicorn and you're not really sure what to do with them. Um, and that's a different conversation. But the three kids that were your biggest headache this year, they're going to show up next year, right? They're going to have a different name. And they're going to have a different face, but they are going to be the same problem. They talk too much. They act out too much. They never sit down. They don't do their work. They fall asleep all the time. They are they're violent in class they you know whatever it is um and the beauty of that is you get better at dealing with that right it like i, I just it's it it is almost second nature to you to know exactly what steps to take to help that kid at least give them the best chance for success um so how much is is classroom management i'm going to say this arguably all of it 
but it's how my I'm not I'm no longer making signs. I'm making relationships. I'm no longer making time to make parent phone calls to tell them about something that I'm angry about. I'm calling parents to find out what I can do. That's more. It's me not spending as much time writing kids up and spending time building relationships with students and learning who they are, what they think and what they feel. And so when you build those relationships, that is something that you're going to have to do every single year. But I'll tell you this, that you live off of your legacy. I have kids that go to 10th grade that didn't really love my class, but the next year they, they miss me terribly. God, man, I'm so mad. I don't have your class anymore. I wish I still had your class. And it's like, bro, what? But then what happens is, they come in and they're loving on you and, and they'll come in in front of your new students and tell you how great you are and how much they miss you and all that stuff. And then those students get to see that, oh, this is di- like, who the hell goes back to their teacher's classes and then like loves on them in public. And then we all are witnessing this and then kids start looking at you different. Um, so that is one of those things that happen too. But um, it's like anything else. It's like, you just, you get better at it. It's a skill that you have to, you have to, hone over time um, that you get better at. And then it just, and you learn how to, like, if you're growing as a person, you're also learning that your energy, like your joy doesn't come from school. Your joy comes from living in your purpose. And so um, you're, you don't put all your time and energy into school, right? You have to put more time and energy into yourself than anything else. And then the over, the school gets the overflow of love you have for yourself, right? So I'm not dependent on my, I'm not co, this isn't a codependent relationship, right? This is, I'm independent individual living in purpose, um, doing the things I'm meant to do. And then I just get to show up at school and do my thing. But like, if I have bad classes, that doesn't make me like go home and drink a whole bottle of wine. I mean, sometimes it does, but when I'm at my best self, it doesn't, but that's, that's cause I grew, you have to grow as a, you have to grow you to do the job that you've been given to do. Good? Yep. I mean, there's more and I always hate ending. I know. Man, we've been on for three hours today, though. We did uh, (laughs) the workshop, then the Q&A that went long, and then 15 minutes later, this thing, and then I got mentoring calls tonight and stuff, too. So Full day right um, here. Yeah. Look, gang, I don't talk about this very often, but if you do ever need it, um, we do charge. But if you go to our website, um, realwrapwithreynolds.com, we do have mentoring services. So if you ever feel like you need it, even if it's a one-off thing where you want to do one session, bring something to me and, and we talk about it. It gives us the opportunity to like, you ask a question uh, or and then I can answer it or I can get more information from you and we can really, really get through some things. Uh, but it's not something I push often, um, but it's it, it does exist. And, and I do it constantly with folks. Um, that's probably why I don't tell more people about it. Um, but I'd be more than happy to do a phone call with you. And, you know, and, and just as a reminder, like the Facebook group is a really great place too. And it's completely free. You just need Facebook, which I guess means you need an iPhone. So it's about a thousand dollars investment for your iPhone, but then you can get on Facebook. And so, um, cause the folks in there, there's over 6,000 of us in there right now. 6,000 dude. It's crazy mm-hmm. from all over the world at every stage of, of development at every grade level. It's friggin' awesome. So that's completely free. You have to sign, like answer three questions to get in, but that's really just so we can keep away um, any kind of like businesses that want to be in there or something like that. Um, And then look, don't forget tomorrow, 
Tomorrow we're talking about teaching like a DJ. How do you go from a failed lesson to flipping it so that you can win? And this is something we're doing every Monday. Um, they are real world mini professional developments that they drop at 11 a.m. So tomorrow's will drop at 11 a.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time. Um, and that's it. And then we have a new video out on Thursday, I think. Yep. And if you're not already following, there's all the social media stuff. Yep. You know. And it, look, if and it's that time of year. If your school needs someone to speak, hit me up. I'd love to come speak at your school. I don't care where you are. I'll I'll go anywhere to, to talk to educators. Um, so many things that we do. We do. We're spinning plates. Right now, I'm going to go play video games with my son. Um, have a really wonderful Sunday, everybody. I hope you have the greatest week ever. And for those of you in the U.S., enjoy your day off tomorrow. And uh, we'll see you next week. Keep trucking. Peace. Peace.